Welcome to the Southridge Baptist Church Podcast. Today we will continue to the fourth part of the series, I Am Jesus. Join us as we discover what it means to be truly connected to Jesus Christ. So prepare your hearts to hear the word of God today. I am Jesus. And we've been looking at the seven I am statements that Jesus Christ made. And so many times we look at these statements and we just kind of see how they're great statements, but we don't see the personal life application. And so we've been delving into some of the statements that Jesus Christ made. And uh, we've been talking about how Jesus Christ said, I am the resurrection and the life and what that means. How Jesus Christ said, I am the good shepherd and what that means to us out of John 10. We see that Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the life, and the truth. And then this week, we're going to look at the, what is the seventh of the I am statements. And really, this will be the final one for our series. We'll be kicking off a new series next week but in just kind of leading into this passage as we look at John chapter number 15 which is just kind of a powerful passage of scripture but before we get there just by way of introduction I think sometimes in our Christian lives or those of those who maybe you're still on the fence about Christianity you've had periods of your life where you think it's just kind of a dry spell just kind of barren My life is just kind of not seeing the fruit. It's not seeing the life and the vitality. I try so many things and I still just feel empty. I still just feel depleted. I don't have the joy. Um, I'll get involved and maybe I'll go to parties and it just still seems empty. Or or I'll try something and I'll try to throw myself to my career but that doesn't satisfy. Or I'll I'll try relationships and, and maybe get involved in some other relationship and that doesn't meet the need. And maybe you've tried so many things but still there's just this void inside of you and you've tried to fill it. And it just seems like this is just a void that just, I mean, it, there, there's a hole in the bottom of the bucket because you keep filling stuff in and it just seems like it's pouring out. And you're just like, I'm trying everything that I can possibly imagine, but yet my life just still feels so lonely, so helpless, so desperate, and frankly, just so disappointing. Nothing ever lives up quite up to the hype. I mean, we see the commercials. If I just dress like that, I'm supposed to be happy. If I drive that, I'm supposed to be happy. If I live in that, I'm supposed to be happy. If I marry her, I'll be happy. If I marry him, I'm supposed to be happy. Hey, if I just get to that office in the company, I'm supposed to be happy. If I just bring this much amount of money home, I'm supposed to be happy. Or if I just do this, or if I just go there, if I vacation there, my life will be complete. Or if they're my friend, or if I'm in that social circle, I'm supposed to be satisfied. But sadly, so many times we'll seek after those things, but we'll come back each time just empty. And it's not like we think, well, well, I kind of satisfied it's it's like each time you go deeper and you try more and you experiment with more things and you just come up with a bigger pit in your stomach you almost just feel more empty you're like I'm, I'm i'm pushing to the extremes and i meet this not just in 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 non-believers but also in believers too i met some christians who their life is dry and barren like the desert their life is empty they're not seeing the joy they're not seeing the fruit like they want to And this morning, I'm excited to bring you this message. 
Because as I began to study out John 15, as I began to see what Jesus Christ said, when he said, I am the vine, there is some powerful truth that I'm hoping to unpack for you today. And I hope you're excited about being in church. Are you excited about being in church today? I mean, it's just one of those things where I hope you're excited because I, I, I don't like to come to church just kind of like, well, let's see what the Bible's going to say today. Hope you all feel like hearing something. Kind of got a thought or two. No, 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 no. Man, I've been working on this. I've been excited. And even if one of you showed up, I would still preach it hard and in your face, even if just one of you showed up. So I hope you're ready. I hope you got the seatbelt on. We are going to be jumping into John 15. And John 15 is the seventh of the I am statements. And really, this is the most descriptive. All the other I am statements, Jesus just spends maybe a verse or two to explain it. Here, he spends eight verses, verses one through eight. He starts diving into this deep truth. But John 15 is really birthed out of John 14. And we've been seeing that a lot. Like Jesus, his statements are always reactionary to something else that's going on. Well, in John 14, Jesus Christ is telling the disciples, I'm leaving. I'm going. I'm going to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there ye may be also. That's good news for us. But the disciples, they're sad because this is Jesus. This is their mentor. This is their friend. This is their counselor. This is their shepherd. This is their guide. What are they going to do without him? But Jesus says, if I go, the comforter's going to come. You say, what do you mean the comforter? I've got a comforter at home. Matter of fact, I wish I was back under my comforters. Those were warm this morning. Those were comfortable. No, that's not the comforter that he's talking about in John 15. He's talking about the comforter of the Holy Spirit. Now, the comforter in the Greek means paraclete. You know, paraclete, not a pair of cleats we put on our feet. But a paraclete means this. It means a constant companion. That's what the Holy Spirit is. It means he's always there. He's always with you. That's how Jesus could make a promise and say, hey, lo, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. It's because the Holy Spirit is with us. And out of John 14, he's talking about, hey, I'm about to go. And after John 14, they go in the upper room, the upper room. They enjoy communion. And he tells them that he's going to give his body. He's going to give his blood. And then as they leave on the garden, on the way to the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus Christ never missing a moment to teach his disciples something. All of a sudden, we don't know if he saw uh, some vines. We know that the coin that day had a vine on it, on the coins that they would use. They would have a, a vine or some grapes. So we don't know if he saw a coin. The temple had some uh, beautiful vineyard drawings all over it because Israel is always pictured as the vine. And so the temple had all these vines on it. So we don't know if he saw a coin. We don't know if we saw the temple. We don't know if we just he just saw some vineyards off in the distance. But he's on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane and he starts teaching about the vine. And I love verse number one. And verse number one says, I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman or the gardener. My father takes care of this vineyard. God takes care of the vineyard. What a blessing to know that we're tied in with the vine. That our gardener is God. He knows when to prune and when not to prune. He knows when we need the fertilizer when we don't need it. He knows just what we need because he's the gardener. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth 
much fruit. There's going to be a progression that you're going to see. First of all, in verse number two, it says no fruit, and then it talks about fruit. And then later on, verse number four, it says more fruit. And then by verse number five, it says much fruit. And we're going to get into that because some of you, you're saying, yeah, my life feels barren. My life feels empty. My life doesn't seem to have the fruit that I want. Well, I love the progression in this passage because it goes no fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit. And we're going to get into what that means by much fruit. It's exciting. Verse number six, if ye abide in me, it's conditional here. If it's a conditional clause, if you'll abide, we have a free will, free choice, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it might be done unto you. It shall be done unto you. That's powerful, folks. That's something to underline, it's something to circle, it's something to highlight, it's something to take to the bank. That, wait a minute, as I'm connected to the vine, whatsoever I ask, it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we need you this morning. I pray that you would speak to hearts. I pray that you would speak to lives. I pray that you'd use this message. I pray that you would uh, encourage those that are here. I pray that this message would speak to hearts. I pray for those that may be far from God this morning, that this morning would, you, your word would bring them closer to you. I pray that the truth contained would speak to our hearts. I pray that we would be changed by your word. I pray that we would leave this place different than when we came in. There are needs represented here, and I don't even know the needs. There are burdens in this room, and I just pray that this morning you would lift those burdens, that you would encourage those hearts, that this morning they would see something in your word that would help them get through this week and help them to grow. I pray that we'd see this truth and we'd practice it. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. That was kind of uh, disjoined. Let's try it again. And everybody said, Amen. There we go. All right. We're waking up. We're waking up. We may need to have a coffee cart come on through here, but that's okay. We might start that and uh, just kind of keep us awake here. Don't go to sleep on me. All right. And uh, as we look at this passage, I've got a point that I want to bring home. All my messages kind of key around one thing. And it's this. If we are to claim the promise, we have to go through the process. He said, what do you mean the promise? In verse number seven, there was a promise. If you abide in me, whatsoever ye ask, it shall be done unto you. That's a promise, folks. That's a promise for God. But before we can claim the promise in verse seven, and we love to claim the promises of God. We love it. I was with my Oma this past week. My family's German. I hadn't seen her in 10 years. And uh, she's had quite the life. Um, She immigrated from Germany. She came over. um, She came over with her husband, Otto good thick german name and i was talking to her because um her story is that her husband passed away and she she didn't really speak english still just spoke german had five children husband passed away three months later her oldest son would pass away didn't speak the language lived in milwaukee wisconsin didn't work a job didn't speak the language but now she's got to raise four children didn't know she was going to lose the fifth one and i just talked to her i said oh my how did you how in the world Did you do that? She said, Micaiah, in her thick German accent, she said, in the middle of the night, I got the call that my husband passed away. And so I called the pastor, and the pastor said, you need to go through the word of God, and every promise that is given, you need to mark it down, you need to claim it. And there are promises specifically for widows and specifically for orphans, and you need to claim 
those promises. Now, she could claim some promises, but she had been through a process. Some of us, we just want to jump ahead and claim all the promises, but there is a process that goes on throughout scriptures. And this morning, we're going to talk about, hey, I want to claim the promises because we need to be a church that we are seeing prayers answered. We need to be a church that when we pray over somebody, then we pray for something that God answers. But if we're going to see the promise, we have to go through the process. You see, There is a desire in all of us to become or do something more than we are doing now. And really, as I look at verse number one, I see that before we can claim this promise, there has to be a connecting. What do you mean a connecting? There has to be the Bible goes over and over and says abide, remain, continue. There's this connection process. It goes like this. Connecting leads to greater purpose. Connecting leads to greater purpose. Have you ever met somebody who it just doesn't seem like their life has a lot of purpose, a lot of meaning, and you'll talk to them, you'll try to encourage them, you'll share share Jesus Christ with them, and they're just, I mean, they're connected to things. Don't get me wrong. It's not like they're not connected. They're connecting all kinds of things. They're just connected to the wrong thing. Because in verse number one, you may have caught it. It says, I am the true vine, which means, juxtapose, that there could be some false vines. Hey, you and I, we've attached ourselves to some false vines, some things that aren't going to help produce, some things in our life that nothing's going to come from that. The Bible even says it in verse number five. It says, for without me, you can do nothing. I mean, you can do stuff. But it's going to add up to a whole lot of nothing. You can spin your wheels. You're just going nowhere. That's why I don't like necessarily um, riding a bike in the gym because it's just stationary bike. I like going somewhere. I don't like a whole lot of motion without any movement, without anything really happening. And some of you, that's your Christian life. You've got all kinds of movement, just nothing's happening. You're doing all kinds of stuff. You're here, you're there, you're doing this thing and that thing. But you just step back at the end of the day and say, I got a lot of activity, but very little accomplishment. This doesn't seem like how the Christian life is supposed to be. There's supposed to be some fulfillment here. There's supposed to be some fruit here. There's supposed to be something in the work of the Holy Spirit in here. But it seems like I'm just uh, i'm missing something because you're connected you're just not connected to the true vine you're not connected to him and when we're connected to him this leads to greater purpose you've heard it before check yourself before you wreck yourself this morning is what we need to do we need to check ourselves wait a minute am i abiding in jesus christ now i'm not saying our salvation is conditional i'm saying the connection is conditional your salvation once you're saved it's signed sealed and delivered john chapter number 10 my father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand that's john chapter number 10 verse number 10 11 so once you're saved that's done deal right there you don't have to worry about am i saved am i not saved do i have to re-get saved do i have to re-get baptized i messed up this week do i have to go back to jesus christ and say hey sprinkle some of that god dust on me i need to fix this right now no, no 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 you're saved but the relationship can sometimes suffer and so here we need to be connected to leads to a greater purpose this greater purpose is all about seeking the will of god and fulfilling what he wants but here's the re- here's the reality and the old songwriter he penned it bo- best when he said prone to wander lord i feel it prone to leave the god i love See, the natural default mode of my heart and your heart is to wander from God. That's the natural default mode. The natural default mode is all of a sudden we see the lights and the glimmer and the bright and shiny things. And man, we just go for it. We're just off. And we say, how did we end up over here? We're just, we're just, we're just over here just trying to follow Jesus. But wait a minute, we get distracted by things and we get pulled off course. And we think, what happened here? 
because our hearts are prone to wander. The psalmist said it. The psalmist throughout Psalms 51, he said, man, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. There's something that I've lost along the way, so we need to guard this connection. You say, why is the connection so valuable? And I'm going to ask for our awesome, amazing pianist to come to the piano for a second. And I think this has turned up. Can you just play something? We have an amazing pianist, don't we? Can you guys just give her a round of applause? She is just awesome, does a great job. And uh, just go ahead and play something for us. You say, what's the big deal about connection? Because you can have a lot of activity. You say, I want to produce something. I want something great to happen in my life. And man, as long as you're connected, there's some beautiful music. But what happens when we lose the connection? She's still playing. She's still playing the same song. Yeah, not really. No, there's, there's nothing happening. Why? Because the connection is gone. And some of you, your life, you're like, man, I'm reading my Bible, man. I'm going to church, but what's going on? You're getting frustrated in Christian life because there's no connection. But as soon as we just kind of connect this thing back in, I hope I do this right. Oh, man, we got music. We got music. Thank you, Becky. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a seat. Appreciate it. How is your life? Are you connected this morning? Are you engaged? Are you connected to the true vine? Are you connected to that relationship you know you should not connect to but cut off? Are you connected to something else? Friends, you're connected to the job. You're connected to not the true vine. Jesus Christ said, I am the true vine. Hey, as we study the Old Testament, what was Israel's worst problem? Idolatry. What was idolatry? It was the worship of other gods. We do that. Except our other gods aren't made of stone. No. Our other gods can be a 57 Chevy. Our other gods can be the golf course. Our other gods can be the job. Our other gods can be status. Our other job can be our threads, what we wear. Our other job could be, hey, what do people think about me at the workplace? Because i got to make sure I'm fitting in. Our other jobs can be all kinds of things. Our other gods can be, you name it. It can be envy. It can be lust. We have all kinds of other gods. And we get tapped in and we wonder why we come to church on Sunday. And we just feel like, man, my life is so barren. My life is just lacking something. What's going on in my life? I'm missing something. Because we're not connected to the one who gives greater purpose. Jesus Christ gives a greater purpose. Jesus Christ gives that fulfillment. And so often our hearts are prone to wander. But let's say, God, my heart needs to come back to you god realign my heart in focus with you you say why wouldn't why why wouldn't somebody want to be connected to jesus and i love here you're going to see a fatori argument you say what do you mean a fatori argument it means they're arguing from the lesser to the greater jesus christ here as he's talking about the vine he's going to talk about why you would want to be connected to this vine and we see first of all because jesus christ says it's a living connection It's a living connection. When you're connected to me, because apart from me, there'll be no fruit. There's the light. There's the sap. There's that connection. It's strong. It's alive. Everything else is just dead. There's not going to be any life from it. And you wonder why, man, I've been trying the party scene. It's just not working. It's dead. I've been trying this thing. It's not working. It's dead. Jesus is a living connection. Not only is he just a living connection. The Bible even goes on to say this in John 5. All throughout the Gospels, you're going to see Jesus make this statement. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. You and I, we got life from mom and dad which they got life from mom and dad. Jesus Christ says, no, I'm self-existent. 
I have life in and of myself. That's why he can raise the dead. That's why when he was in the tomb, it was a borrowed tomb because he knew I'm not going to be staying here. So I'm just going to borrow it. I don't need to buy it. I'm just going to borrow it. And that's what happens when Jesus comes on the scene. He says, no, no, I have life in and of myself. He even goes on John 5, 40. He says, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Jesus said, hey, I have life. Come to me. I've got it. He is a living connection also we see he's a lasting connection all others they're not going to satisfy like jesus christ will satisfy everything else is just an empty well we can go to john chapter number four and he even says to the woman at the well hey you can drink of this well and you're gonna get thirsty again or you can drink from the living water another well and you'll never thirst again it's amazing jesus sat by a well and he was a well interesting comparison jesus christ said hey this one You're going to be thirsty. You'll be back tomorrow. But me? No. One, and you'll be satisfied. Jesus Christ is his lasting connection. If you're out there searching, you're out there looking, you're out there experimenting, you're out there trying, Jesus Christ is that lasting connection. He's the only connection. He's the one that will satisfy. And notice verse number nine. The Bible says, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. What's that word right after you? Continue, remain, abide continue ye in my love here he's saying i'm a lasting connection i am uh i'm a living connection but guess what i'm a loving connection i will love you i will take care of you i will provide for you so you could try all other connections but jesus christ said no no, no. i'm a loving connection i'm what you're looking for everything else that you've tried i'm the one that you've been looking for i'm the real deal So check yourself before you wreck yourself. Make sure you're connected to the one who leads to greater purpose. Have you been looking for something else and not been connecting? Because you're going to find that there's going to be no fruit. There's going to be no action. There's going to be no accomplishment. But also, notice verse number two of this passage. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth, he cuts, he prunes, that it may have more fruit. I cannot divorce the fact that the Christian life does involve some cutting. I think sometimes we sign up for the Christian life, we just think, well, life is going to be fine and dandy, Pollyanna. It's going to be great, sunshines and rainbows and butterflies and unicorns. And then all of a sudden, I lost my job. It could happen. All of a sudden, it's like my grandmother. Husband dies. Three months later, her oldest son dies. Doesn't even speak the language. Doesn't know how. Just bought a house too. How is she going to cover the house? God got her through. How does that happen? Your life is going to have some cutting moments. Your life is going to have. But I want you to see cutting leads to greater potential. Greater potential. That's what God's all about. He's about saying, hey, you are my masterpiece, my creation. But guess what? I want to make you more than you ever thought possible. I may cut on you. It's because I'm going to do something through you. And this cutting leads to greater potential. You know my greatest fear, church, is that I would never reach my full potential for Jesus Christ. That's my greatest fear. My greatest fear is that one day I'll look back and think, I could have, should have, would have done something more. I don't want you to have a should have, could have, would have done more moment. I want you to look back on your life and say, to the glory of God, I did everything he wanted me to do. I wasn't perfect. I had my moments, but to the best of my ability, I can look back on my life and my life was lived for his glory and for his purpose. And I reached my greater potential. 
My grandma, she's not famous. Nobody else would really know about her. If I hadn't shared the story, you probably would never meet her, never know about her. But yet she reached a greater potential because she allowed herself to go through some cutting. Now, some of you this morning, you may be uh, 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 fearful of this cutting. We're going to deal with that. But I want you to see this passage is really, it's so counterintuitive to the Christian life. Because oftentimes we think more, bigger, better. That's what I want. I just got to be bigger and I got to be better and I got to do more. And that's what Jesus Christ is looking for. And Jesus Christ says, no, no, no. To get more from you, I'm going to take something out of you. Because I know that that's the only way I'll get more from you. Because haven't you noticed it? The times we seek God the most, things aren't going the best. The times I seek God the most is when I need him the most. It's when life starts spinning out of control. Not that he's not in control. It just seems like life is out of control. And those are the moments where I say, God, I need you more. And it drives me deeper into who he is. But though it drives me deeper, he takes me higher. And it just sounds like that shouldn't work. But that's exactly what's happening as God is taking us deeper. You see, he may cut me back, but he isn't cutting me off. Because God is doing something. God, as he cuts, he's increasing my capacity. He's increasing it. We went on a little trip to Fresno this week. And Austin, my one-and-a-half-year-old son, son, who's about to turn two in June, as we're driving, he says, excuse me, Dad. I said, yes, son. He doesn't speak quite as clear, but he says, can I drive? (sighs) He's not even two, and he wants to drive. And he's like, I want to drive. And then he starts to whine that I don't let him drive down the 152 freeway to the 99. He's getting upset that I'm not going to get him out of, his, uh, out of his car seat, buckle him in, put his hands on the steering wheel, and me go take a nap in the back. No, he's upset I'm not letting him drive. Why? Because he hasn't got the level capacity yet. He he hasn't gotten to that point where he is ready for the responsibility because he needs to go through some things before we can increase his capacity. I said, son, don't worry. Give it about 14 more years. You'll be driving. Just takes a little bit of time. And some of you, you're, you're thinking, God, just do this through me right now. God, I wanted this to happen. Can I say something, church? I admire that. Don't stop praying that. But that is a dangerous prayer. God, would you make me fruitful? Because understand when you pray that, God says, okay, I will make you fruitful. But it's going to involve some cutting. It's going to involve some pruning. But that's the only way to get more fruit. You say, how how do I go from the point where, where I've got no fruit to fruit to more fruit to much fruit? Cutting. It's the only way. It's how God does it. It's how God refines us. It's how God matures us. It's how God makes us. Because pruning is about preparing you. That's what it's all about. That preparation. You and I need that preparation. God is saying, hey, I'm preparing you for more fruit. It doesn't feel good, but this will work out to be good. Here he's preparing. Too many times I hear people say, God wants quality over quantity. Wrong, 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 wrong. In this passage, God wants both. He wants you to have more fruit much fruit, but to do it, he wants quality. So he does cut back the excess. He does cut back the dead. He does cut back what's just non-essential. He cuts it back so he can have the quality and the quantity. The word more in the Greek is the word pleon, which means more in quality and in quantity. 
Isn't that interesting? That God says, I want both out of your life. I don't just want quality. I don't want you to just be a Bible fathead that knows everything but doesn't do anything. No, he wants you to know it and he wants you to live it out. You see, when we started this church, we started thinking about what kind of church is God calling us to be a part of. God says, hey, there's all kinds of church in this area. But where's going to be a church that says, hey, we're going to take it in, then we're going to give it out. Take it in, give it out. We're not just going to absorb so we're so theologically smart, so theologically brilliant that we're just way up here and we just kind of pontificate around the word of God. No, no, we're all about practical life application. We're about how can we get the gospel into somebody's house? How can we get the gospel into somebody's life and let the gospel change somebody? It's not just about filling our heads with useless knowledge. It's not just about, oh, look at my quality. No, no, it's also about quantity. We want to see souls saved. We want to see people out of this church. And it's not just so we can come here and have a nice little time together. It's no, we want both. And here the Holy Spirit is saying to us, God wants to do both in your life. God wants you to be a quality Christian, but he wants you to have that quantity. And don't you desire that? Don't you desire that fruit in your life? Don't you want God to do something in you and through you? And the pruning is about the preparing. God is preparing you. And preparing is about producing. You can't produce until you're prepared. You've got to have the preparation. But so many times we fight the preparation. We don't want to prepare. We don't want to go through the little simple process. We just want to, man, just just give me some seeds, throw it in the ground, stop it down. Come on, grow. I want something right now. It doesn't happen like that. This, I've tried to grow a lawn for two years in my house. N- no success. I finally said, forget it. I'm starting over. I got a big old rototiller, bigger than my body, thing is out of control and i just wrote it till my whole lawn up it was actually a weed patch i could never get grass grow spent hundreds of dollars trying to get it to grow and i just i said forget it i'm just gonna wrote it till it all up just grinded all those weeds up weeds and just grinding up all that rocks and man i realized why nothing would grow the ground was so hard it was so packed i had to go over it and go over it and go over it again and again and again and one of those big rototills if you ever used it you're supposed to take the handlebars and push it down i weigh like a buck and a quarter so my whole body is like on these handlebars trying to push it down and it's still not even really tearing up the dirt i was like man i gotta get some more weight on here or something so i literally had my legs and i'm sitting on it and this thing kind of propels itself and i'm just trying to hang on for dear life as this thing's tearing up the ground and over and over it cultivated and it worked and it broke up the hard dirt and broke up the rocks and finally after two hours oh there's about six or eight inches just soft dirt now I'll come in with some fertilizer. Yeah, my neighbor's saying amen. He's like, it's about time, buddy. That was ugly. You're bringing our neighbor, my neighbor down, man. Yeah, now I'm going to go in some fertilizer. Now I'll bring in the, n- the nutrients into the soil. There had to be some preparation. Why? To produce. What, what preparation are you fighting in your life? You're saying, God, take me out of this situation. Isn't that amazing? Friday night, you're not saying, God, take control. But Sunday you are. God, I got this problem. Take control. But wait a minute, no, things are going good. I want control. Why do we do that? Is he in control or is he not in control? Are we going to let him do the pruning, let him do the preparing work, or are we not going to? It's not one or the other. It's not pick or choose. It's not go back and forth. It's God, am I connected to you? And if I'm connected to you, I'm going to let you do your work until your work is complete. Because only as you do your work will you produce the fruit that you want to produce in me. God is doing something. He is producing See, some of you, God's preparing for greater blessing. God says, there's something I want to do in your life. You're just not quite ready for it. I've got to prepare you for greater blessing. Some of you, God's preparing you for a greater burden. 
He said, no, 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 I want the blessing, not the burden, man. No, God's preparing you. God might preparing you to teach a growth group at this church. God might preparing you to serve at this church. God might preparing you to go reach and tell your coworker about Jesus Christ and how he loves you. God might preparing you for a ministry. God might be giving you a burden for San Jose that you say, you know what? That's not just going to be Pastor Mackay's burden. That's going to be my burden too. I want to reach this city. I want to have influence in the city. I want the gospel spread in this city and the surrounding area. Because we live in a city of, uh, 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 of, of this area is 7.2 million people. You know how many people go to church? 2% of that 7.2 million people. 2% go to any church. You say, how many people is that? Just a little over 240,000 people in the Bay Area go to church. You say, no, no way. Yeah. We got churches that run thousands, but you go throughout uh, Menlo Park. 1% of the population goes to church, Menlo Park. 1%. That's not just church, folks. That's Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, Buddhist, Catholic, across the board. We're in an area that we think, we think, man, there's plenty of churches. Everybody knows about Jesus Christ. Folks, we need a greater burden. The Bible says in John 4, lift up your eyes, look on the harvest, for the fields are white already to harvest. That's saying this, that the harvest is ready, that there are people that are dying, there are people that need about know about Jesus Christ. And here Jesus Christ, he's, he's on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane for the last time with his disciples, and he's sharing them his, his, his words, and he's saying, hey guys, I'm, I'm going to leave you, and there's going to be some cutting, but the cutting is about preparing you. The preparation is to help you produce, and the producing is about pleasing him. Would you notice verse number eight, the Bible says, herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. God gets the glory. Our lives are all about the glory of God. That's what our lives should be made up about. It's about, God, how can you get more glory through my life? God, I want to pray a prayer that you would allow my life to produce fruit. And as I'm producing fruit, God says, I'm getting glory through your life. As you work that job, as you stay at home, as you're there in that neighborhood, as you have those friends, as you go to that place, God says, I'm going to use you, and I've prepared you, and now you are well-pleasing to me. I know for some of you, Now you may understand why you're going through some pruning. That may not take away the pain. But I hope you see that there's purpose in the pain now. I hope you see that there's a reason for it. It's not just arbitrary. God didn't just kind of uh, pick your name out of a hat and say, I got to send somebody through a trial. Who's it going to be? Just kind of, hey, Gabriel, just pick somebody. Just kind of pick somebody. San Jose, yeah, that's good. Morgan Hill, yeah, okay. Gilroy, yeah, okay. Just pick somebody. Northern California, all right. Yeah, just find somebody. Oh, here's a college student barely making it, just trying to pay their way. Yeah, they, they, they need a good trial. Oh, here, here's a family. They're, just, they're going through some difficult things, and, 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 and this is happening in their life. Yeah, that would be a good one. God doesn't do that, folks. He's not just arbitrary, just kind of, well, no, I want to mess your life up. That's not what he's doing. I was over in the country of Jordan in 2010. My wife and I, as we got to tour the Holy Land, we also went to the country of Jordan. And as we were in Jordan, the tour guide we just stopped at some random place along the way. I couldn't tell you what city, what town. I, I, I have no idea where it was. We just stopped at this little shop. And the tour guide took us into this little shop. And he said, you know, you can buy stuff here. And, uh, but I, but I want to show you something that I think you'd like to see. And we stepped into this room. And it, it was fairly well lit. And there was just an old man, a Jordanian man. And he was just working on something. He had just broken bits of scrap all around him. Little pieces of glass, little pieces of clay, little pieces of just uh, metal, just whatever he had. Just a bunch of little broken random odds and end pieces. 
And then in front of him, he had this round wheel type thing. And it had some soft putty clay type stuff. And one by one, he would just pick out a broken piece of whatever it was. And he would push it into the, this clay. Wheel would spin and he would just kept, kept doing that. Kept doing that. I didn't know what he was doing. I was asking the tour guide, what's he doing? The tour guide just said, just watch. And you couldn't really make heads or tails of what he was making. And the guy said, just watch him for a little while. And we just kind of watched. And they said, all right, we've watched for enough. Let's, let's go into this next room. We went into the next room. And there was all these beautiful mosaics. And if you know what a mosaic is, it's just broken bits and pieces of glass, clay, and pottery. But they make a beautiful picture out of all these broken pieces. See, God's saying, your life may have some broken pieces to you, but that's what a mosaic makes it so beautiful. Have you ever looked at a stained glass window? It's not one piece of glass. It's several pieces of glass. And it's beautiful as the light shines through it. You get the glorious colors and it floods and you're just thinking, wow, that is awesome. That's a sight to behold. And God's saying, that's your life when I'm done. Your life will be a beautiful mosaic. Your life will be something that points and reflects and gives glory to God, not to yourself anymore, but to the Lord Jesus Christ. God said, that's what I'm doing. Proverbs 25 verse 4 says, take away the dross from the silver. Take away the, the, the junk out of the silver. And there shall come forth a vessel for the refiner. It has this idea as we purify that metal, all the imperfections burn out. And now you can see the reflection, your own reflection in this metal. God said, that's what I want to do with you. As I cut, as I trim, as I prune, that's what I want to do. But remember what we said. We said before we can claim the promise, we have to go through the process. Here's what's the temptation, Christian. Here's what I am tempted with. To jump ship. Say, I didn't sign up for this ride. I'm done. I want to get off. I want to quit. I want to walk away. Verse number seven has this great thing. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. Twice he uses the word abide. Twice he tells us to remain. Twice he tells us to stay. That's covenant. That means if you keep the covenant, there's a promise. God's saying, hey, I make you a promise if you abide. Just like he made Abraham a promise. Just like he made David a promise. Just like he made um, all the Christians throughout the Bible a promise. God is saying, I'm making you a promise. I'm saying abide, abide. Remain, remain. There's this promise if you remain. It means this. Committing leads to greater power, folks. Greater power. You see, we all want greater potential. But what about the greater power? God says, I want to raise up a church that's powerful. I want to raise up a generation of Christians that are powerful. We live in a day and age where we need some powerful Christians who have a powerful testimony in their homes, who have a powerful influence in their community. But sadly, we have Christians that they're not attaining, they're not acquiring that power that's available. David Jeremiah said, integrity is keeping my commitment even when the circumstances surrounding the commitment have changed. And I know some of you are saying, man, when days were going good, it was easy to be committed right now. It's tough. I said I would tithe. I said I would give. But right now, 
Finances are tough. I just don't know if I can. I know I said I'd be a part of this, but right now my schedule's so flexible. I know that I said I would love my wife, but right now it just seems like things are so difficult. I know that I said I would, I would, I would help pay for college for my children, but I don't know if I can afford it. I know that I said this, and I know I committed to this. What are you going to do when the circumstances around the commitment change? Will you say, wait a minute, I will stay committed, because in the commitment, that leads to greater power. That re- leads to greater influence. That leads to greater impact, because that's the bread and butter. That's where the rubber meets the road first folks that's right where we're at right where we're going to say hey am i going to stay committed or am i just going to kind of wash out am i just going to not see this thing through we need some christians to say i'm going to stay committed look at your neighbor and say stay committed stay committed stay committed don't give up stay committed stay committed Stay committed to that relationship. Stay committed to your God. Stay committed to your Bible. Don't walk out now. Don't leave now. It's too soon. It's too soon to quit. It's too soon to give up. You know, throughout this chapter, 11 times, we're told to abide, remain, or to continue. I think he's trying to give us a message that we're just to remain. We're just supposed to stay. Have you ever tried to prune a tree that had branches that were green and full of sap. It's hard, isn't it? It's harder. I got a tree that I'm pruning. It's dead. It's easy. I could take the branches and just snap them off. When you have the life and the love and that lasting connection of Jesus Christ flowing through you, you can endure a whole lot more than you think you can. But it's when we're dead it's when we're away and we're not, we're not filling our life with the word of God, the influence of God. We're not walking in the spirit. Our life is dry and barren. And the first trial that comes, the first temptation that comes, bam, we're gone. Because there's no life. There's no lasting connection. But man, when you get a branch that's just attached to the tree, it doesn't even have to be very thick. I've got a mulberry tree. And man, those branches have so much sap. I mean, when you start to cut, the sap just gets all over your hands. It's a pain to cut those branches. Why? Wow, they got so much life in them. What about you as a believer? When you go through that trial, do you have that life? Or you're just, hey, it's not easy, but there's so much strength here. I can stay. I can remain. I can stay. You know? We need to start being faithful, and you'll be fruitful. If we'll just start being faithful, we'll be fruitful. We'll just remain in it. Stay faithful at every moment, every moment. I was talking to my wife this week. I said, you know, we talk oftentimes about living the consistent Christian life. We just need to be consistent, just consistent. And I said, you know what? Too often I find that consistency isn't my problem. It's being conscious is my problem. I sleepwalk through the Christian life. I just kind of go throughout my day forgetting about the Lord. It's not intended to. It's my day gets busy. My to-do list kind of dictates my schedule. And I can go through life, and I can go through moments, and I just forget to think about, is this what he wants me to be doing? And I'm not consciously going through the moments that he's given me, and I'm just kind of absent-minded. Is this the moment? Is How does he want me to steward this? How does he want me to go through this? See, we need to stay faithful at every moment, but then stay faithful at this very moment. A year and a half ago when my wife and I felt God was leading us to start this church. Hope you don't mind if I share this with you. I think it's important to kind of know the story about the church. At the time I was working two full-time jobs because one wasn't doing it. So I was working 90 hours plus, working all night, and then I'd go back to work. I'd get off at 7, and my other job started at 7.30. Get off of that job about uh, 3.30, 4 o'clock, and then go home, sleep for about four hours, and then get back up, drive to Palo Alto, work all night. And I just did that five, six days a week. Just did that. Just did that. Um, 
And some of you are thinking, now I know why you started church. You wanted something easier. You just wanted to work on Sundays. That's what it is. I see it. Yeah, it makes sense. No. I needed two jobs to take care of the needs. And I live pretty frugally. Uh, Pretty cheap. I don't have cable television. Just got internet about six months ago. Uh, Live pretty below our means. And I was thinking, Lord, I know you want us to plant this church. But then last August, I had a decision to make. Lord, I know you want us to plant this church, but... I got both these jobs to take care of this need. And God was saying, how much do you trust me? I was like, yeah, I trust you. And God was like, no, how much do you trust me? Because we've heard the verse in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine understanding. But God was saying, how much do you trust me? I said, God, I'm going to lose all my security. One job took care of all our medical. The other job just helped us take care of all the other bills. I said, God, there, there's no way I can leave both. God said, you got to trust me. And then in our circles, you, we travel around and we uh, go visit other churches. We ask if they'll support this church till we get our, on our feet. And so we, we decided that I would leave both jobs, all security, cut ties. And we travel around. We hit nine different states. Traveled for about four months. Never got a paycheck. You say, how did God take care of you? Because as I didn't just talk about trusting him, but as I literally stepped out, God said, I'll meet you there. God said, I've prepared you to produce and i'm going to cut away some things but as soon as you step out i will bless that first sunday we didn't know who would show up 57 people showed up the next sunday half of them didn't show back up and the next time we had 32 but then god just began to build and god just began to grow and god just began to send family after family after family and person after person and god just began to see people saved as we just said god i'm just trusting you i don't see it i don't know how it's going to work out but god i'm trusting you not just every moment but in this very moment god i'm trusting you and that's a word for some of you some of you you don't know what's gonna how you're gonna pay the bills how you're gonna get through this month how you're gonna get through this week how to get through today you need to trust god not just every moment not just happy talk but in this very moment you're saying i'm gonna step out and i'm gonna trust god with everything i'm just gonna totally put it out there i taught junior church at a last ministry and there was a boy his name was duke and uh, 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 Duke and I were buddies, and uh, I, I gave the uh, illustration of the trust fall illustration. How many of you, you know the trust fall illustration? You ever seen that? Yeah. So uh, Duke, he's, he's about that tall Vietnamese guy, and uh, I said, Duke, do you trust me? And Duke said, yes. I said, excellent, Duke. And uh, Duke, I got him up on the platform, and I got down off the platform, and I said, Duke, if I said fall, would you fall? And Duke said, yeah, I'd fall, I'd fall. And Duke was standing there. I was right behind him, and then I did this. I said, Duke, do you trust me? Duke said, yeah. I said, really, Duke, you trust me? He said, yeah. I said, okay. Then fall. You say, you did not. He was over there, I'm over here. Yeah, I said, fall. He said, okay, do you have a lawsuit on your hand? Did he break his neck? What happened? He fell. What he didn't know is I had another worker come up behind him that he didn't know, didn't see, and he fell right into that other worker's arms. For some of you, you feel like, but the voice of God is over there. I can't fall back. I just can't trust you. I just can't step out in this new initiative. I just can't trust you with this. God, I I don't know. I don't know. You're not trusting God until you fall. Some of you, you, you think leaning on God is trusting God. Leaning on God is not trusting God. It's when you say, God, I'm just, here I go. That's trusting God. And that's where we see God do some amazing things. That's where we see God Send the most fruit. Somebody has wisely said, 
Go out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. Go out on a limb. This passage is all about one thing because Jesus knows he's going to he's going to Calvary. He's going to die. And after that, he'll be around for just 40 more days. And after that, he's going to heaven. He'll send his Holy Spirit. But these disciples, they need to understand that they're it. It's their time. It's their time. And God says, I'm going to give you everything you need in eight verses. Hey, church, God has given us everything we need, not just to be fruitful, but to have more fruit and much fruit in eight verses. Your life shouldn't be empty. Your life shouldn't be barren. shouldn't be fruitful. You know, as I studied this passage, I began to think, I was, as I looked at it, I was like, what does fruit mean? What is this fruit? Because sometimes we talk about winning souls, that's fruit. Sometimes we talk about fruit is, oh, the Holy Spirit, love, uh, uh, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, faith. Uh, we, is, is that what the fruit is? What is the fruit, man? And maybe that's what you've been thinking this whole time. You say, what is the fruit in this passage? I want it. I don't exactly see what it is. You know, as I studied, and I'm no Greek scholar, but uh, I took Greek. And I'm no Hebrew scholar, and I didn't take Hebrew, but I know how to look up words in Hebrew. They didn't give me any meaning. There was no deeper connection. It's very abstract. And I think, God, you're so specific. I think, why would you leave it so abstract? Because God says, this fruit is whatever fruit you need. That's what this fruit is. I said, wow, that's powerful. Whatever fruit I need is what this fruit is. What fruit do you need in your life? For some of you, yeah, it's souls. I want to reach that coworker. For some of you, it's a relationship that's barren. For some of you, it's this walk with God that just seemed abysmal. For some of you, it's coming to a brand new walk in faith with Jesus Christ. You don't know him. Whatever the fruit that you need, that's what this fruit is. Jesus Christ saying, hey, no fruit. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. The word much there has this, uh, this idea that it's more than you can possibly handle more than you can handle that's awesome because as you take a fruit tree as you prune back the branches just get a few branches you'll see that the branches begin to almost break with all that fruit because there's so much there wouldn't that be awesome if we had christians says man god's overloading me with fruit god is doing so much man i keep getting rid of it but god keeps sending it back because he's blessing me that's what we want folks because as we connect, leads to greater purpose. Cutting leads to greater potential. Committing leads to greater power. So much more we could say. Stop being fearful. Start being forceful. Some of you might be afraid of the cutting. Don't. Don't fear it. And let me leave you with last, one last verse, and we've got to wrap this up. Isaiah 27, verse 2. In that day, sing unto her a vineyard of red wine. I, the Lord, do keep it. Talk about the vineyard. I will water it every moment, lest any hurt heard it i will keep it night and day if we're in the vine we're part of the vine and god says i'll keep the vine i'll water it i'll protect it i'll watch it day and night that's a word for some of us that are fearful fearful if i step out if i let god start cutting away what's gonna happen god says i got this all under control heads bowed and eyes closed dear heavenly father i thank you for this powerful truth